You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we are here with Jack Osa from Osa Studio. Now, returning to the office should feel like working from home except maybe cleaner, less noisy, in my instance, less kids. In other words, your workplace should feel comfortable, approachable, and productive, and it should reflect the company brand, your values, and really how you feel about the work that you do. And you know, that's a tall order, and uh, it's a really tall order for a designer or architect, but is also a mission for today's guest on the Brand Builders Podcast. Jack is the founder of Osa Studio, an architecture and design firm right here in Charlotte that cares as much about you, your style, and your branding as he does about the buildings he designs. I don't know what else we would have to say about this person than to bring them on the podcast because it's all about branding. It's all about designing around what your brand is, and that's really a unique approach. And so we're so excited to dive into that. Jack, welcome to this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. Thank you so much, man. I'm so excited to to be a guest on your podcast. I've been listening for a while, and um, you know, you know, I have my own podcast, so I always admire people who are doing the same and excited about our conversation. I love it, man. Th- thank you for joining us, and uh, appreciate your intro, Brian. So let's before we get into Osa Studio, you have a really cool story uh, that led you to where you are. Um, so I'd like to ask, like, how long have you been in Charlotte, and where were you before that? Let's Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. So uh, I moved to Charlotte in 2001, uh, November. I think it was November 14. So I'm originally from Colombia, uh, South America, not South Carolina. Because <laughs> I don't have an accent, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I went to architecture school in Colombia. That's where I grew up. I'm the oldest of three brothers. And, um, you know, my parents, very hardworking people. They took the step from, to, you know, to move our families from the countryside of Colombia to, you know, the city, give us some, um, you know, better education that they had. And since I was in architectural school, I always had, um, um, you know, a lot of um, admiration for architecture, um, you know, all over the world. And I used to look at magazines and, and books and I would see all these huge projects and I would dream about, oh my God, I wanna, I wanna be part of this one day. So um, I set my mind to, and my dream to be an architect in United States, which sounded very crazy because I will label my plans in, in, in English and people were like, man, what are you doing? I'm like, no, man, I'm going to be an architect in United States. And they're like, man, you're crazy. <laughs> so um, I, I graduated, worked for a year for one company, saved about, you know, a thousand dollars. And my little brother graduated from high school and my my dad said well if that's what you want to do you we support you so with three thousand dollars we came to united states in november 2001 so we went to atlanta because my cousins live there we were there for a couple of weeks then um we came to charlotte to visit another cousin and and the plan was to come for one weekend we came for a weekend and never left that was 20 years ago. Wow. So when we saw the city, we were so impressed by how clean and organized it was. And uh, I look at my brother and say, man, we're not living. And he said, you're right, <laughs> not living. <laughs> you know, we grew up in Bogota, Colombia. That is a city with nine 
million people. It's really um, big, dense, very similar to New York City. And I think the environment of Charlotte kind of fit my personality um, and tend to be more, you know, calm and introvert. And, and he felt, I felt like peace with, with the environment. So we rented an apartment for three months, bought a car for a thousand dollars and started walking South Boulevard, looking for any job we could find. You know, we will go to any store because we only had about uh, 600 bucks left for groceries. Uh, we had no furniture. We slept on the carpet, um, bought a phone that, you know, we used to communicate with our family. Um, my brother found a job in construction. I found a job um, as a bus boy and we started just, you know, doing any jobs we could do. Um, during that time, I had to get more educated about, all right, if I'm an architect, how do I, how do I work here as an architect? So had to um, meet with some lawyers, understand how the process work, you know, which is a working visa and cost like $3,500 that I didn't have. So um, at the restaurant one night, I found the yellow pages and I ripped four pages with all the architecture firms in Charlotte. So on Monday off, I will wake up and drive and go to every firm. I didn't even have a resume. I would just show up and say, hey, looking for a job. And they're like, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where, where's your resume? I'm like, oh, what is that? <laughs> so uh, I found, you know, somebody explained to me. I went to a library, created my resume. And I have a nice portfolio of work. You know, the nice thing about design and architecture is it's a universal language, right? Um, even though my English was not very good, I could show a lot of work. So at one of those companies that I visited, I went to a small firm in South Boulevard called McClure Nicholson Montgomery Architects, working there with my portfolio. And um, one of the architects said, yeah, let me see what you have. So they look at my work and they like, man, well, why don't you come back in a week for an interview? And I said, sure, I can do that. And once once we scheduled that interview, then um, you know I realized after talking to the lawyer, I had about three more months in the country to stay. If if I did not transfer to a, a working visa, I had to leave because then I will be you know out of status. You know, basically an illegal immigrant, which is something I didn't want to do. So I had this clicking clock after me and had the interview the interview went good um the hard sell to me was to tell these architects you know i not only need a job i need a working visa that costs you know 3500 bucks which i don't have and you need to sign this amount of paperwork with immigration that you're responsible for me in the country <laughs> so uh they asked me to go and work contract uh term for one week his, his, they said, you know, we don't know how to check your references. We don't know anything. Come work for one week. We'll give you some tasks and no commitment and we'll see what happens. So I went and work for that week. You know, we'll go in there, do all my architectural work in the morning, then go to the restaurant in the afternoon. I was, you know, cleaning toilets, mopping floors, everything that, I, that, that involves being a busboy in a restaurant. And a week later, I got a call from a lawyer saying, hey, man, this is the company you talk to. Um, they just pay for your working visa. You start next week. So, man, that day, um, those architects who I still talk to often, and today I'm doing, archi uh, are doing work with them together as architects, um, they changed my life. They changed my family's life. They, um, they gave me the opportunity. They gave me the gift of the American dream. And, and now I'm taking that dream to the next level. 
freaking love it. Now, do, do, is this right? Did you not know English when you came to America? Or I did... knew very little. I knew very little. You, you know, speak the numbers. very well. <laughs> Man, it's been 20 years. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's tough. You know, I, I understand out of necessity, but at the same time, uh, you speak it better than some folks I know that are from here. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I practice every day. <laughs> Jack, what, what a great story, man. American dream. I love it. It's still alive and, and folks oh, yeah. are making it happen. And, and you are a prime example of that, man. Thank you. Yeah, for, it's a reality, man. It's absolutely. A reality. Love it. Yeah. And I, I love that, you know, this is the type of story that we want to bring on to the podcast because I think it, it, it creates conversation and it shows the journey that a lot of people uh, in this country take for granted, right? You know, there's a lot of people that have a lot of opportunity and instead yeah. of looking at the opportunities that they have, they look at the ways that maybe they haven't been successful or they look at the things that, that are, 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 are tough in their lives. And I think your story just shows that if you want something, you got to go get it. I mean, t- printing, uh, or excuse me, ripping out the yellow pages and then going to every architecture firm, that's desire. That's want, right? That's not just shooting a couple emails over and hoping you get a job. So right. cheers to you on that. I do want to say one thing. I grew up in Atlanta and I've been in Charlotte since 2010. And I know all my Atlanta people are going to hate for me to say this, but I feel the same damn way. So when, it, when I was in Atlanta, although it was home, I just felt like a number. It was massive. I didn't really ever connect to I that know. city. Yeah. And I yeah. came here and and, and this is home now. Like I love this city. I love the people sure. in this city. And you just—that's exactly how my feeling was as well. When I got here, I'm like, I'm never moving back to Atlanta. Like this is gonna yeah, be yeah, my home. That's, so. that's a real, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I go back to see my cousins, but then I'm like, oh no, man, I miss Charlotte. You know, it feels so comfortable, and it's amazing because now this—you know—I'm a U.S. citizen now. You know, I vote. This is my community. This is my country. This is my city. And and what's happening to me is things that happened to many immigrants you know, 200 years ago, 100 years ago. And the fact that, yeah, that's still happening today, that, that's mind blowing. And and sometimes what, what you, you know, what you said uh, about people taking things for granted and some people some, sometimes ask me that, say, okay, what do you think about Americans? I mean, like, man, you guys have no idea what you have. You don't realize how lucky, blessed you are with all the abundance we have and opportunities. It's ridiculous. Like, if today, if you're healthy in, in, in America and you have access to internet, you can do pretty much anything you want. You can learn anything. You can use YouTube. You can use Google. You can use podcasts. You can lear- learn any trade. And there is no reason for you not to be pursuing your dreams and your full potential because everything is right there. It's 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 in your hands. So I got that's a pri- that's a privileged position. I 100% agree. And I have a question. So I have I have two sons. One that's uh, turns three years old uh, this weekend, and one that's eight months old. And my biggest challenge is in what I believe is to make them realize how lucky they are, but also challenge them to do what they want to do in life. And I think one of the biggest issues we have in our country is that the media and a lot of people want to focus on the negative instead of what an amazing country this is and what a great opportunity this is from somebody that came from a country that is not like America. And you came here for the American dream. What needs to change from not only the mindset, but the entire just visualization of what America is. So people realize how grateful they have it instead of just looking at it, everything glass half empty and, Oh, you know, I got this and that it's like, damn, you're in America people. 
Yeah. Like, what, where else do you want to be, you know? So what are you, I mean, how do we change that philosophy instead of looking at all the bad things in your life, waking up and being grateful and excited and, and taking the challenge of being successful in life? And I'd love to hear what your mindset is on that. So, um, you know, I, I really see life as, um, you know, our own perception of of life within our own mind. And then we, exp- we, we relate to the world outside. And when we have a reaction to that world, I think one of the things that is to me a fundamental um, perception and attitude is, it's um, you know, America is not outside. America is inside you. Right, and and so we're we're looking outside, and it and we think it's out there. We think these things are coming from outside. We think that's why we pay attention to the media. We pay attention to all these things that they're just noise, and and there there's just a bag of truth, of lies, of mistakes, of you know everything in that bag, and we're looking at that bag, and we're thinking, we're reacting to that reality that is shown but that's not the place to start the place is within you right so even for my kids i have three kids they're um 12 9 and 4 and i have the same concerns you have exactly the same and all they're doing is consuming information from the world through youtube netflix you know and that's what they're seeing and I cannot, you know, I cannot compete with that. I cannot cover that information. That's the reality. However, to me, the most impactful way that you can um, affect your kids is when you're, instead of telling them how things are, you show them because living by example is the best way to teach people. So um, my kids are very involved in what I'm doing as, as a business owner. You know, I share with them, you know, when when I'm down, when I'm having problems, when I'm scared, I share with them when I'm had successes. I'm not telling them to pursue their American dream. I, I'm showing them how that is like and what it means. So when they get to the point on their life when they need to make a decision, they say, Wow, this can be done. My dad did it. So if he did it, then I can. And that's the, that's the danger of when we look too much on outside because then we're starting putting people in categories and they said, okay, they could because one, two, three, but I don't have that, right? We start detaching ourselves from things that we deserve and that we have access to because it's the easy way. Now we have an excuse. Oh, he did it because he's an immigrant and he's not scared and I'm American. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. They're all excuses. I, I 100% agree. And I think that is great advice. And um, I tell this story a lot. My dad came from a split family. He had to drop out of college to, to take care of his family. And his life was a lot more difficult than mine. My dad worked his ass off to give me the life that I got. But one of the things that he did was to instill that I understood exactly what it took to do that. And what you just said was great. He didn't tell me. He showed me, right? He showed right. me what hard work gets. He showed me that if you if you have your mind on it, that you can make, make the life for yourself. So that's the exact same thing that I want to do. And I just think that's amazing advice for everyone out there. If you have kids, you need to show your kids because there's a lot of people out there that are really successful. And then you look at their children and what happened, right? Did you just buy them presents? Did you just give them everything? Did you never yeah. make them work for anything? Because guess what? Eventually, they're going to have to go out and do it for them for themselves. And if all you've ever done is just shown affection through gifts and shown affection through, oh, I'll just give them this, then it's going to be a rude awakening when they when they actually have to become 
a true adult. So oh, sure. That's and, great. and being a parent is complex because we usually tend to parent from a perspective of our own weaknesses and shortcomings. So we're reflecting the way we parent is a full reflection of how we feel about ourselves. So we're giving them um, a bunch of rules that we should be giving to ourselves. We're telling them to do things that we should be doing. So it's it's pretty bizarre when you start analyzing how we parent. It's it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, lead by lead by example, man. You know, yeah. like, like you said, show them, give them the tools, uh, give them the ins and outs of all of that. I'm not a parent, but but if I were, you know, that's that's what you do. That's that's what leaders do. And and in, if you are a parent, you are a leader of your family. And you your have two kids. You have two kids right. right there in front of you. Yeah. So yeah. so show them. You're man, a leader. Give them the tools. You're a leader of the company. Tell you us. Uh, let's let's circle back to design. I, I really appreciate your your perspective there, man, because that really shapes the mold of who you are and what you've done and how, you, how hard you've worked to, to get to where you are. And, and so I want to circle back on that part of it. Tell us a little bit like from the design worlds, how is, how is Charlotte design different from Columbia? Oh my gosh, huge difference. So, you know, there, there are two, you know, when you look at just basic geography and, and, you know, countries of, you know, United States, you know, wealthy, um, there's a lot of ingenuity, you know, a power in the world, forefront and in leader worldwide. Um, in Colombia, it's more, uh, you know, Latin America, more third world country. There are two differences. I will say down there is more similar to Europe in terms of more all type of world. So uh, Charlotte, like if in, in, in just a basic analysis, I will say Charlotte in, in terms of architecture and environment, seems like made out of cardboard seems very flimsy you know it's like brand new but it's flimsy interesting uh when i go down there the 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 structures and the environment looks older and maybe not as nice but looks very consistent and it looks very strong right and and we have a lot of history so you know we were uh, colonized by you know spanish 500 years ago so we have this beautiful colonial architecture that has been there for it's been there for 200 years and these amazing things that we don't have here you know this is very new and and because it is new you mix that with efficiency so material costs they trying to be very inexpensive they try to be really fast you know product of industrialization the modern world sometimes we sacrifice the quality of the spaces that we're building in order to create more and and have more access to it that's an interesting point somebody uh we had talked about this from architecture if you drive down south boulevard and you see all what i would call cookie cutter apartment complexes right Mm -hmm. how long are they going to last and the reality is is that maybe 20 years maybe and because it, like you just they're built with cardboard i mean they're they're there yeah. they're put it's a company that's going to build it really quick they're going to sell it to somebody else they're going to manage it then like 10 more years later they're going to sell it to somebody else and it's not something that's going to stay around um so that's a really interesting approach now i'm on your website you have some beautiful work y'all need to go check this out at osastudio.com uh go click on his projects page and you can see some of the work that he's been able to do tell me you know has your design although you you come from columbia you're here in the united states how has it evolved over time? And do you think that you kind of have a little bit of that, you know, Colombian vibe when you are designing? And maybe that really what makes you kind of stand out compared to other architects that are in this city and in this country? 
Uh, yes and yes. So one of the interesting things that happened uh, to me, you know, being an immigrant is, you know, you come to another country and, and you see all these opportunities, you want to fit in, right? You want to learn the language, you want to behave like others, you want to like kind of prove yourself in society. So I did that for many years. And I remember where many times I was working for, you know, architecture firms and I was in meeting with clients, with other people, and, and they were talking about a problem and I would see the solution in my mind, but I didn't say anything because I thought, oh, maybe I'm missing something because I, I don't really know everything they're talking about. So I was kind of quieting myself because I thought I, I was not just not getting it until there was a point where it hit me when I realized, oh my God, no, it's the other way around. This perspective is what I bring to the table. I'm looking at this problem and they're in different way. This is what diversity means. This, this, this is what culture means, that you have very different points of view that give you a joint conversation for discussion and you create to an optimal solution. So yeah, of course, that gave me a lot of confidence when, I, when I'm designing because now, you know, I, there, you always see their architectural styles, you know, there's things that people start doing this type of uh, look and feel and you kind of go with the trend, but at the same time, there is something inside you that say, yeah, well, no, wait, why don't we do it this way? Why don't we do it that way? Which sometimes is a risk because now you're being different. But now I realize that I'm being truthful to myself when I'm when I'm believing my own thinking and just betting and giving um, my clients my ideas. And then it's up to them to decide if 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 they like it and if they think it's solving their problem or not. Yeah, that's uh, that's really cool. And and to your point on your website, you have created a design philosophy, right? Yeah. And I believe you even created the artwork that sort of gives the visual of your philosophy. And yeah. and it says, you know, we believe designs connect our hearts and minds and solves a problem and produces positive goal oriented results. Yeah. Could, could you talk a little bit about your model and what you've created there and how that works for you? Yeah, so I'm all about the power of design, which is is the name of my podcast. And I think when you look at um, you know design and specifically in architecture, architecture, as the word says, is the perfect combination of art and technique, art architecture. So you have this huge spectrum of um, human development. That you know we we use our mind to be very rational and understand things and 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 come up with things. But at the same time, we have our heart. We cannot quantify love. We cannot quantify how we feel. You know, you have feelings and you have thoughts. And and when, as humans, we are trapped within the tension of those two places. So design is where those two things come together. So when you look at a design that functions well, you know, but at the same time, the experience is nice. You feel good about it. That's the beauty to me of design because design is not an object, again, talking about um, how, how, how we react to things. To me, design is not an object that you look at and looks great. Design is experience in a human mind of space. So design is a human experience. What I'm really designing is not buildings. What I'm really designing is the human experience of space. And that, that, that experience should be beautiful and functional. Wow, 
Yeah. So you, we have, I was looking at your, at your podcast and it's, it's funny. We just had Amber Brown on our podcast as well. And we talked a lot about the future of, of office buildings. And, yes. you know, I think um, she had a lot of interesting things to talk about and they've done some amazing, you know, work with some of the biggest companies in, in this, in this city. And she said, you know, workplaces are never going to go away, but they are going to change as far as what they look like. And I want to understand from your perspective, what do you think the office, you know, world is going to look like in the future? Is it going to be more of a of a meeting place where you can have, you know, a lot of fun things going on and maybe people will show up there, you know, two to three days a week? Where do you see the design aspect coming into changing instead of having cubicles everywhere and all, you know, 500 employees coming into work every single day? It might only be a small percentage. Maybe the sales team and the executives will show be showing up to the office and then everybody else will be off. But then we're going to bring everybody together for a really large event, you know, once a week or once a month. Where do you see that? changing because I think a year ago everybody was so into this like let's work from home we're never going back office buildings are dead a year later people are like I'm going crazy I need to get out of my house so I'd love to hear from from your perspective not only where you think that's going to go but what are people saying in your world as you're starting to work on uh, projects for the future well, people are saying many different things because everybody's trying to predict because nobody really knows. But I think my 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 personal approach is, you know, the workplace setting is still a very old model, right? So when the workplace set, the, the workplace um, environment was created, you know, maybe eighteen hundreds when you had you know typewriters, so you we need a desk. And there's just bunch a bunch of people inside of these big buildings with desks and you have a typewriter, right? And today we have the same. It's just nicer, nicer finishes and, and now we have computers, but it's very basic. And I think because that came from industrial revolution where, you know, progress came to the world, we started creating um, mass production um, advances in the world. It became really good, right? We make really good things. And that's where now everything became this work-life balance situation, right? So you go to work and then you're in front of this thing eight hours a day and you do this, but you're not a human. You're a human when you go home, right? So work-life balance doesn't really exist. That's ridiculous. We are humans with thoughts and feelings all the time since you wake up until you go to bed again. So I think part of the thing that happened with COVID is it was a really big awakening when you combine that with technology, because if COVID happened if, if, and we couldn't go to work and we didn't have technology, it would be the same. So to me, it was the intersection of those two forces when we started realizing, oh my God, yeah, I can be at home and I can work and I can get things done. Or no, you know what? I don't like this. I don't like that. So the basic premise of the office is, you know, everybody go home, go to the office, go home, like as if we're all the same, but we're realizing the big thing to me in the future of workplace is options. So what's the best place for you to do certain type of work? Then you have a setting for that. And maybe when I work for a big corporation now, what I have is maybe um, co-working memberships to two or three places where I can go and they have a home office. And there is also a hub office when I can go for meetings, but now it's not this machine-like behavior when you just go every day, every day, and then you come back, you know, 40 hours a week. It's more, um, I think it's humanizing the way we conceive work versus becoming more machine-like, which is what's been happening in the last, you know, 60 years. 
That's that's fascinating, and I think that's just going to continue to change. I think everybody, and one thing it would show is everybody is different. I mean, we know in our business, there's some people that that want to be here and, and want to be in this type of environment. There's some people that work great at home. You know, it really yeah. just depends on on who that vibe is. And if you open up those those opportunities, you you can have some really amazing talent that might not be in your city, right? And yeah. it also could be, I hate saying this, less expensive, but like that's the reality. Like you can create a culture, and it doesn't have to just be everybody in one building. So that's really fascinating. So let's talk. Yeah about your business we have a lot of uh, of companies that we work with in the AEC world we're members of some some organizations like Carolina Built and I want to know you know when you're looking uh, at, at your business and what you guys do because your website is fantastic and what you guys provide it's it's kind of it's interesting right I think it's very unique that you do a little bit of, of, of a lot of things if that makes sense yeah but who is your ideal client if there are you know members and, and there's people that are listening to the, this that would would need to work with you or want to work with you excuse me who, what does that look like? You know, if you could tell the people, um, you know, who would be the ideal client for you, uh, talk a little bit about that, and and, I, and hopefully we can connect the dots there. Sure. So I will say I will I will get I will define two types of clients just because we have two main services where we add a tremendous amount of value to to our clients. So one is in the architecture side. Um, you know, we have that approach that is fresh. Um, my background where I work for other firms, I work at very um, high delivery, high design, very um, rigorous uh, company. So we, we are really good at what we do. You know, in, when we're delivering architectural services, we're on time, we're on budget, we're rigorous, we're all about project management, we leverage technology. So most of uh, the experience I had has been in the workplace and office design area. So, you know, any company that is looking to expand their offices, for example, or they're creating an addition, we bring a lot of expertise behind that. Even though we do other type of projects as well, I will say that's, that's an idea client because we just bring so much value immediately. Um, the other thing will be when we look at the brand design side, um, we can really help companies, um, especially within the design, construction, and real estate world to clarify what's the unique differentiator they bring to the marketplace. And we have a, a process called the brand DNA where we walk companies through that. And, and it's amazing because we're moving people from complexity to simplicity, from confusion to clarity, and we're, we're giving them the, the necessary tools so they can spend their marketing dollars uh, understanding where they're going. You know, many people develop, you know, logos, identity, websites, you know, social media strategies, but they don't ha- they don't know why or how. They're, they're just doing what everybody's doing. And that's a waste of time and waste of money. So we help people understand first who you are as, um, as an organization and that could also be applicable as a person. And once you can clearly define, this is what we sell, which is usually not your product or services because people buy experiences, they buy how you make them feel. And once you can categorize that and, and communicate it, it's very easy for them to now engage with the marketplace and gain more opportunities and eventually you know, make more money, which is what we're all trying to do. That's a really cool perspective and an opportunity in working with you all. What would you say in and around Charlotte is, is the project you're most proud of? Not to pigeonhole you, because I'm sure you're proud of all of them, but if if I asked you what your favorite project was, are, are you able to answer that without offending anyone? Oh, 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I will say, well, I, I will say my own project that I just finished uh, about um, three months ago, um, the Cunningham Recreation Headquarters is an office building on Old Pineville. And I'm so proud of that because um, the whole process was really good, you know, since the very early, very early in the process, um, the client love the building it was a good solution we finished one month early we saved money during 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 construction and that was the first time in my life that i was able to by myself fully design the project i made every single decision i did all the coordination with every single engineer i drew every single line of the plan set and i was on site all the time so for me it's a huge milestone as an architect to get to the point where like oh man i i finally got all the knowledge and experience to be able to create you know do this incredible amount of work and at the end i see the power of design reflected in there to me that's that's amazing so i'm, I'm very proud of that building because it really reflects who i am how i work and the experience with the client was amazing you know they love the building everybody during the process had a lot of fun you know i'm big on understanding it's not much about what you sell is is more more about how people feel when they're interacting with you had a lot of fun with the contractors with the engineers you know i developed great relationships i made friends during that project now i can call people to you know, get more information. They called me for other things. So the developments, the re- relationships developed during that project were as good as the end project um, result. That's awesome. I, yeah, I'm looking yeah. at your website. You you do show it there, and you also show a 3D printer, which is really cool. I think that's how you came up with your. Is it is it a rendering? Um, of of the building to give them the visual i guess before you yeah. a prototype before you actually sure. got into yeah. it uh but really cool uh sort of reading and reviewing how, how you went about that project yeah we're really big in technology we use 3d printing vr you know i show in virtual reality all my projects because it's very different if i'm designing something for you for you and, and i show you a floor plan you're just making up in your mind 90 percent of the rest of the information you know, you, you don't really know. For designers, it's kind of easy because you know what you're looking at. But when virtual reality um, is brought to the clients, I use it for every project and you put on your goggles and now your brain is experiencing space, which is a whole different conversation than looking at a flat rendering or floor plan. That's crazy. Totally agree. Super I was cool. looking. I was looking at this before you even mentioned um, the, the your favorite project, and it was actually the first one that I clicked. I was like, "That building's really cool." And this is to put Scott on the on the uh, on the spot. I literally in my brain was like, "That's exactly what the Dunstan Group office should look like in about ten years." <laughs> right? Oh, I like. Yeah. I, I started Let's going through. I started going through. I was like, "That's badass." Oh, look, we can put a DG logo right there. What if we had this? In and I'm just. That's and then right. like a minute later, I'm like. Shit, I'm on a podcast. I hey, need to get back into hey, this. Hey, Jack, Jack, you, do you need any custom apparel by chance? Yeah, seriously. This, yeah. You're going to trade services? That's, yeah, yeah. That's what it's hey, going to take. A lot, hey. of, a lot of movement of some merchandise over here. But I'm with you. Yeah. Like, I love the – you're right. Brands, it's so, it's so important that that experience is there. You can buy what we offer from, from many different folks. But what we deliver is quality, service, value, friendships, sure. relationships, uh, you know, on time. Um, all the things that, that you like to d- deliver to your clients within your world, um, that's what sets us apart. And if, 
if you have a space and a cool showroom and and something that really tells the story and and creates that experience uh i feel like you're you're just even more elevated from your competitor so to speak absolutely um that's yeah. that's is really that, really that, cool is that added value to the marketplace like you guys don't have to have a podcast to run your business no nobody's nobody asks you to do this right correct but you're adding adding so much value to the marketplace and to society that there is no other way that is going to come back to you one way or the other thank you jack I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. That That is our goal. And we have fun doing it, man. Uh, just to hear these great stories, it encourages us. It gets us fired up to work even harder. Um, and frankly, we get a lot of different opinions and thought processes that open our minds up to something new that, that maybe we hadn't thought of before. Or we oh, Maybe sure. we didn't agree with, but now we do because we, we've had that dialogue. I think we talk about this a lot. In today's society, what's missing a lot is, is conversation. And and, yeah. and so we we really enjoy it, and uh, we'll we'll continue it for that reason, but but mainly to help others because that's part of our culture and who we are. So, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's all about perspective, and I think your story, especially coming over here from Columbia, and and how you came here with literally a thousand dollars, and then you were in Atlanta, and then you were in Charlotte, and then you're you're sleeping on the floor, and you guys are working as a busboy, and your brother's in construction, and then you're ripping pages out of the yellow pages, and you're going up and down to every single architecture firm. Like that is perspective, and if you can listen to that and apply that to your life, and realize how lucky you are, and realize that hey, if you're in a bad spot everybody gets in those get out of it wake up realize it if you want something go get it be like jack <laughs> that's right and if you want to see what that if <laughs> you want to see line. yeah be like jack if you want to see what a thousand dollars in the american dream can do go to osa studio and look exactly what he's been able to do in 20 years yeah that's cool and i don't really know anybody else or any other story if that doesn't drive you to be the best then nothing will and, and I even used my own story for my own motivation because I said, okay, if I came, if I went from, you know, cleaning toilets to owning my own design firm, now where where am I gonna go from here? You know, it's exponential. So when you look at my, the vision for my firm, I, I'm, I'm thinking we are a multidisciplinary, multi-million international design firm. That's what I see. Love and it. it's a platform for people to pursue their full potential. And it's not a normal firm. It's very different. And yeah, we do a lot of things and we don't do things the way people do it because we, we, we're we unique. I love it. Jack Osa for president. Let's go. All right. <laughs> Look at this guy. <laughs> well, Jack, uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's It's been a pleasure. I love the story. I can't wait to meet you in person. Um, I can't wait to come check out some of the, the buildings that you've designed and just to be able sure. to see that. I think it's really unique and really cool. Um, and But just thank you for, for joining us. If you're listening, please like, share, comment. Uh, go connect with Jack on LinkedIn. Go uh, check out osastudio.com. Follow his podcast. He's had some amazing guests on there. And I mean, I'm talking partners with some of the biggest firms in Charlotte, and I'm sure those are super awesome. So I look forward to that. Uh, but thank you again for joining us, Jack. I really do appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, I really admire what you're doing, and please keep doing it because you're making a big difference. Thank you, Jack. We appreciate it. We don't always hear that, so it's, it's good to hear and, and encouraging. Uh, sure. and we will do just that. Like Great it. to see you, my man. All right. Thank, thank you, guys. You. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. If, and uh, 
like I said, go follow Jack. And uh, you've been listening to another episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.